All right. Well, look, we are coming to the very end of the year. It's been quite a year, hasn't it? Oh, but we made it. We made it. Um, for me, this end of the year has been a little bit odd. Um, again, New Zealand feels relatively normal. COVID hasn't messed up many things, except for it has messed up one Christmas tradition that I usually quite enjoyed a lot over the last few years, um, which is over the last few years, um, every year around like December at some point, there was a new Star Wars movie that came out. And it was great. Do you remember? I don't know if you guys are Star Wars fans. I really enjoy it. When The Force Awakens came out, it was like the new one of the new trilogy. I was like a kid in the candy store, like jumping up in the theater being like, yeah, get him, get him. Like I was so pumped. And every year I've enjoyed going to see them. Like I know some people love them, some people hate them, but I've enjoyed every year getting to go and see the new Star Wars film as it's come out. Oh, have you not seen these? Oh, you have? You they're bad movies. Okay, well, we're going to talk about that today. Um, honestly, my fix has been like frustrated because I can't get my normal Star Wars fix, so I've had to spend most of my time this December watching The Mandalorian on... Yeah, anyone else watching Mandalorian? And everyone else who's like, I don't get Star Wars. This is a weird sermon. That's fine. Just go to sleep and wake up in 20 minutes. You'll be fine. Um, it's, it's a great TV series, right? It's fantastic. It's lasers. It's guns. It's got a very cute baby Yoda... Um, who's just lovely and eats things. And I've really, really enjoyed that. And what's been funny, though, is that this year, as it's kind of like you can't watch the films, and as the Mandalorians come out, the big commentary that's come out has been like, finally, this is real Star Wars, right? This is real Star Wars, right? Because everything else was just awful Star Wars. It was terrible Star Wars. The movies before were really bad Star Wars. And it was like, I've noticed, I don't know if you've noticed this, but in particular, like, fan groups, you get like, almost like you get gatekeepers of who gets to be the real fans of the real Star Wars and who were the fake fans of the old Star Wars, right? And so like, this has made a huge online controversy of like whether you're a real Star Wars fan or a fake Star Wars fan. Um, look, this was a tweet that someone put through saying, seeing the Star Wars movies does not make you a real Star Wars fan. Actual Star Wars fans have done some of the following. They've read the novelizations. They've read books in the extended universe. They read the new canon books. They read some comics. They've watched the animated shows, and they've participated in Star Wars discussion groups. How many of you are true Star Wars fans? No one, okay. <laughs> maybe one, maybe one, two shy people are true Star Wars fans, and the rest of us are fakers. Um, it's been this gatekeeper thing that's just made me like, it's been like a real interesting thing because it's like, we should just be able to enjoy something. Like this is for everything, but it's like sometimes you get gatekeepers who stay in the space saying, if you don't love it the way that I love it, if you don't enter into it the way that I want you to enter into it, if you don't see it the way I see it, then you're not part of the story. You're not part of what's really happening here. And so today, as we look at this Christmas story, we find an instance of a gatekeeper. <laughs> of what people thought God should be doing, of, what, of who God, people thought God was going to bring reach out to, and who, who were the gatekeepers, and who is this gospel message for? This is the question that we're going to find in today's text. We're going to be in Luke 22, uh, not Luke 22, we're going to be in Luke 2. I'm just going to read some of the verses about when Mary and Joseph, they've just had Jesus. Um, Brooke talked last week about this moment where about the shepherds came in and Mary deserves an award for being a pregnant woman dealing with the shepherds. You know, she's like, I just want to sleep and you're here, you know? And um, what we find now in this story is it's about eight days later 
and Jesus is headed into the temples to be presented and to have a particular surgical operation done. And um, so we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, verse 22. And it says this. When the time came for the purification rites to be required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves, two young pigeons. Now it's interesting here, why does it talk about the animals? A pair of doves and two young pigeons, who cares, right? Does anyone care about that detail? Brooke does. The reason is there were like two different versions of what you could give as a sacrifice. There was like the fancy one with like a lamb and then there was the poor man's version. And the poor man's version was a pair of doves or two young pigeons. So Luke's including it in there to already clue you in into what kind of person and what kind of family our God King comes from. What kind of upbringing is he from? It's not one from privilege, the poor. So they can only give the lowest level of sacrifice to present Jesus. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he'd seen the Lord's Messiah. So moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. Now here's this picture of Simeon, right? He'd been waiting for the consolation of Israel. God had been telling him about him. He was a real Star Wars fan. He wasn't a fake Star Wars fan. This guy was a real Star Wars fan. He was ready for God to come and restore. He's been looking for it. So when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you've prepared in the sight of all nations, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory for your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And then Simeon blessed them. And he said this to Mary, his mother. This child, he's destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Whew. Ominous, eh? It's this fascinating little moment in Jesus' life where he encounters one of the gatekeepers and the gatekeeper says one of the most revolutionary, crazy things that none of them were expecting. Did you, did you catch what he said? I mean, no one gasped, so... You guys aren't true Star Wars fans. Um, he says here, when he prays, Simeon says this, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you've prepared in the sight of all nation, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. You, you guys don't seem very amazed. This was huge. This was crazy. Do you know how we know it was huge? Because it immediately said, right after he said that, Mary and Joseph marveled. What? Why would you say that? 
They're confused about it. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about them. And then Simeon blessed them. He explained it further, saying it's destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel. Why was this such a shocking statement? Right? It seems pretty normal. 2,000 years later, most of us in the church have heard this story lots of times. Of course, light for the Gentile, glory for Israel. That makes sense. But Simeon was a very unusual gatekeeper. He was a very unusual gatekeeper in the culture of Israel. See, there had risen up, you know, like Israel had gone through a tough story. They went into exile. Then they came back from exile and they like won their independence and they thought they were going to be free. They got kicked out the Greeks, but then the Romans came and smashed them again. And so there was this longing for a Messiah in the culture. And most of us are familiar with this. But what most of us forget when we read this story is that when you think about what that Messiah is, according to the gatekeepers of the time, it looked nothing like Jesus. According to the gatekeepers of the time, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, those on the inside, the true Star Wars fans, they would have all said, well, if we're going to get a Messiah, well, of course, it's going to come from a royal line of David. So we're looking for a king, a kingly figure. Herod, he's kind of half king, but we're looking for a, a real king. So we're looking for someone with means and authority and wealth, someone who projects strength. What was the hope of this Messiah? Well, the Messiah's job was to kick out the Romans and establish the sovereign state of Israel again get free their Roman oppression and create in them a new city, a new culture, a new nation again. And that's what all the gatekeepers agreed upon. The Messiah was there to kick out the Romans, reestablish Israeli dominance so that they could become the strongest nation in the world again. That's what all the gatekeepers were ready for. But what did Simeon say? What's the first thing out of his mouth? How does he identify the work of this Jesus baby Christ King? In sight of all the nations, a light of revelation for the Gentiles. That doesn't feature anywhere in the Star Wars canon of the day. Like, the Gentiles were the ones who were oppressing them, the ones that were, the Romans were kicking in the pants. It was hard. But Simeon's like, no, there's a different thing here. And this is what had happened. The existing gatekeepers, they had gotten caught up in the culture and the times, and they had narrowed the scope of what God was going to do so narrow that it only applied to the powerful, to the wealthy, to the reestablished one small people. But Simeon actually takes it back, and he says, no, you've missed the heart of what this whole thing was about. God is not just here to reestablish the dominance of one people group. He's not just here to put the people on the know back on top when they feel on the outside again. No, God is doing something fundamentally different. And Simeon knows it's going to make people angry because he says, this child's going to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. Heaps of the gatekeepers are going to hate him. They're not going to like the, what he's doing. He's not a true Star Wars fan. But maybe God is doing something different, something more hopeful and more helpful. What's fascinating here is Luke does something really, really interesting, and I don't know if you've picked it up. Luke is drawing like hints and connections back to the Old Testament in bright green highlighter. Have you caught them? A light of revelation to the Gentiles. Does that sound like anything familiar to you that you remember from the Old Testament? Maybe, maybe the thought of Simeon and Anna, an older couple, talking about the promises of God. Does that ring any bells? Or what about how does, how does Luke begin the gospel? Because the Gospel of Luke, if we think it's a story about Jesus, starts in a very odd way. It doesn't start with Jesus. It starts with this other older couple, Levi and Elizabeth, who can't have kids. An older couple 
who can't have kids, who receive a promise of God that he will restore a people again. What's Luke drawing a bright green highlighter to? What couple from scripture? Can you think about it? Come on, anyone. Abraham, yes, Abraham and Sarah. This is huge. Luke is putting it in bright green light saying, hey, you should be thinking about Abraham and Sarah right now. Look at all these hints. God's doing what God did in them, but he's doing it again. And what was the promise that God gave to Abraham and Sarah? It was the very first covenant that God made with the people of Israel. You find it in Genesis 12. God says, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I'll make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever, I curse, whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. All peoples on earth. Um, little fun fact, this isn't completely related to the sermon, but it's just fascinating. That language on earth, all peoples on earth, the old Hebrew word for that is hadama. All people of hadama. And hadama is the same basis that we get the word Adam from. In Genesis 1, you see God made man from the ground. God made Hadam from Hadama. God brings humans out of the dust. Adam comes out of the Hadama. And here, it's like, again, God's pointing it back, saying at the very beginning, the fault that all of humans face, our struggle with sin, our struggle with brokenness, our struggle to be at peace with ourselves and our neighbor, that in but however long we've been around, we've never been able to fix. God is drawing these links together saying, I'm here to fix it. I promised it in Adam that I was going to fix it. And then in, Ge- in Genesis, when I said to Abraham, I promise I will fix it through you. All peoples will be blessed. And now in Luke, you find that promise again, a light of revelation to the Gentiles. See, the thing is, the gatekeepers were pretty frustrated with this message because when Jesus came, it was supposed to be for those on the inside, those in the know, to put them back on top. But that is categorically not what God is about. God flings wide the gates. He opens up the boundary lines of who's in and who's out, and he says, I'm here for all. All of the Gentiles, which includes all of us, now here 2,000 years later on the opposite side of the world, God says, the gates are open and you're welcome in. Now, why is this a big deal? It's because as much as we don't like it, there are always gatekeepers in any group. There's gatekeepers of the true Star Wars fans. And as much as I kind of get frustrated with Star Wars fans because I like the new ones and I'm not meant to, I'm like, ah, that's frustrating. The truth is I do it with other people. I love a band called Radiohead. And if you tell me that the only song you know from Radiohead is um, Creep, I'm like, you're not a real Radiohead fan. I'm a gatekeeper. If you don't like them the way I like them, you don't count, right? So we all do it, and the danger is we also do it with faith. We also do it with church. Often we think church is made for us to come together and God can put us just back on top. And when it comes to Christmas, there are some of us who are like Christians, we're like, yes, this is our story. This is about us. This is about us moving forward, and God's going to do things for us. And yeah, that's true. But the danger is if you're, not, if you're on the outside, maybe you're not a Christian, maybe you're kind of on the fence, maybe you're not sure, man, church can often feel really hard. Like, if you come here and you don't like singing, that can be awkward for you, can it be? Because you don't want to be like the person who's out. Everybody else is supposed to like it. I guess I have to like it too. 
Maybe you don't like all the same Christian culture things that everybody else does, and you come to church and you feel like, I don't know if there's really a place for me here. There's a whole bunch of gatekeeping culture stuff, and I don't know if I fit. Maybe you don't think you believe or think the same way as everybody else here. You come to church and you feel like the odd one out. Everyone else has got this good put-together life. You're good super Christians, and I've got to be like them in order to fit in. And often at Christmas and at church, we can feel like I'm just not going to fit as part of this community. Because we feel like the gatekeepers are there. And if you don't look like this, if you don't talk like a Christian, if you don't like all the Christian movies, if you don't like all the Christian worship songs, if you don't think all the same things, then it must not be for me. I must not be part of that community. Today at Christmas, Simeon would say to you that the gates are being flung wide open. There are no gatekeepers of Christian culture other than Christ himself who extends the invitation to each and every one of you. He says, come and follow me. It doesn't matter if you don't look like the person sitting next to you. And it doesn't matter if you don't think the same way as your grandma did when she was a Christian. Jesus says, don't worry about that. Come and follow me. Don't worry about gatekeeping Christianity. Don't worry about what the pews look like on Sunday. Come and follow me. Because his purpose was to come as a light of revelation to the Gentiles, those who were outside, those who were far from the story. And so if today, if you've come in here and maybe you don't feel like you belong to church, maybe you don't feel like you belong to Christianity particularly well, you don't fit the mold and you struggle being here on Sundays, if that's you, then God bless you because today Christ says to you, don't worry about it. There are no gatekeepers in my kingdom. Come and follow me. Doesn't matter if you don't look the same. Doesn't matter if you don't talk the same language. Doesn't matter if you don't fit the mold. Come and follow me. Doesn't, mean, doesn't matter if you have awkward questions, if you don't believe everything the preacher says. It doesn't matter if you have doubts and fears. Come and follow me. One of my favorite verses, and we're going to close. If I can get the band to come up, we're just going to finish with a song. My favorite verses in scripture is a saying from Jesus. He says, when praying, Oh, Father, the Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever, the gospel hiding it, from those who think they're in charge, and for revealing it to those who are childlike. Yes, God is pleased to do it this way. My Father has entrusted everything to me, and no one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son, and those whom the Son chooses to reveal them. So he says this, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden that I give you is light. Today's message is for those on the outside who don't feel like you fit church culture, who don't feel like you fit the Christian mold, who don't feel like you fit what you're supposed to be doing right now. Today, God says to you, don't worry about any of that. You don't have to look like anyone else. There is no perfect mold of Christian because we're all messed up. We're just really good at hiding it. And those of us who've been at church longer, better at hiding it. But today, God wants to call you. He sees you, 
He knows you. And he says, come and follow me. And if you haven't made that decision or if you're on the fence or maybe you're just so frustrated with church and Christianity that you're like, oh, I, can't, I can't do it. Today, God would say, just let all of that go. Follow me. Open your heart and yourself to God. Let his spirit come and give you life. The gospel promises that when we call on him, Jesus comes and fills our life with his. And we experience the rest and the life and the truth that he promises. And so I wanna pray and I wanna encourage you as I pray, just open up yourself to God. If you feel like you're on the outside, today you're on the end. Not because the gatekeeper said so, but because Jesus blew open the gates and said, you belong here. Let's pray.